Welcome to Pick 6 Movies, the worldwide phenomenon that most people haven't ever heard of. And if you're one of those people who are here for the first time, well, let me welcome you to the podcast and tell you how things work. Each season, we pick six movies all related to a single theme. Then, on each episode, we give you about 20 minutes of interesting behind-the-scenes facts and hearsay about how the movie featured on that episode was made. Sometimes we talk about the writers or the directors or the actors or whatever it is that our interns put together to get a college credit. Then, after your head is filled with information you didn't know you need until we stuck it in your ear holes, me, Chad Cooper, and my lifelong friend, Mr. Bo Ransdell, give you a full review of the movie from credits up to credits down. We crack jokes and we do voices. We live, we laugh, we love. (sighs) And the sun is slowly beginning to set on season 21's theme, Bombs Away, featuring six of the biggest box office disasters of all time. This is episode five, featuring the movie R.I.P.D., got Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges starring as a couple of dead guys who are sent back to Earth to track down a bunch of other dead guys and then kill those dead guys again. It's full of CGI and it's got a sloppy script and the characters are poorly developed. They have no motivation. There's plot holes and there's no chemistry between any of the characters. Look, what can I say? It's terrible. But that's what we do here. And that's why we've won over 20 Best Podcast Awards from the International Podcast Awards Committee that Bo and I founded a few weeks ago to give ourselves awards. Bo, why don't you get in here and give these people an introduction worthy of the IPAC Award for Best Introduction of a Podcast Episode featuring Kevin Bacon, but not his giant hog leg. Bo, uh, take it away. It takes a lot of mistakes to make a movie like R.I.P.D., the subject of this episode, and one of the big ones is the notion of adapting a comic that was, in many ways, a riff on existing movies. So R.I.P.D. is sort of Men in Black, in that it's almost exactly Men in Black. Two cops working for a clandestine law enforcement agency to save the world from a hidden threat. Substitute your aliens in Men in Black for ghosts, and you have yourself a whole new setup. Well, not exactly the same. Instead of being a super cop selected for his alien hunting tour of duty, the lead in the comic version of R.I.P.D. is Nick Cruz, a cop who is killed by a mysterious assailant and trades a hundred years of his afterlife for a shot at finding his own killer. He is teamed with an Old West lawman named Roy Powell to save the world from a demon who's stolen the sword of St. Michael in order to kill the devil himself. That's the first volume of the comics, anyway, and yes, it's derivative, but not wholly bad. It was written by a guy named Peter Linkoff, who has written a metric ton of television, from 24 to CSI New York to the reboots of Hawaii Five-0 and MacGyver and Magnum P.I. Again, not exactly original, but the guy did also put pen to paper on Demolition Man, a movie I dearly love and will almost certainly appear on this show one day. But before we get into how things went oh so wrong for R.I.P.D. when it seems like a pretty easy thing to get right, let's talk about the house that brought us R.I.P.D., along with The Mask and Time Cop and Tank Girl and Barbed Wire and Mystery Men and American Splendor and Hellboy and Sin City and 300 and those Alien vs. Predators movies. And I'm speaking, of course, of Dark Horse Comics. 
While not as big as Marvel or DC with their stables of century-old characters in some cases, Dark Horse brought a lot of talented indie artists and titles to the mainstream, and it started, as it should have, in a comic shop. This was the mid-80s, a time when comic books were no longer relegated to the wire racks of drugstores. Direct distribution channels emerged, and suddenly comic book shops were springing up all over the place. Mike Richardson owned one of those places, a store called Pegasus Fantasy Books. Mike was also a member of an organization called the Amateur Press Association, whose aim was to bring intellectual criticism to comics through conventions and newsletters and any venue where people who love the art form could speak about them as an actual art and not just the flimsy superhero tales that were so frequently associated with the industry. It was nothing less than an attempt to make the comic industry respectful. And it was also as a member of this industry that Mark Richardson met a lot of very talented creators and artists and editors. Enough of them, in fact, for Mike to call upon them to produce an anthology comic called Dark Horse Presents Number 1. The anthology comic would feature Paul Chadwick's Concrete, the story of a man whose consciousness was implanted by aliens into stone, and Chris Warner's Black Cross, a near-future tale of a fractured United States split by war zones. When it was released, it sold about 50,000 copies and was a much bigger hit than Richardson expected. He also got ahead of the manga wave by publishing Godzilla, King of the Monsters in 1987. Richardson was a longtime lover of comics and credits them with making him an avid reader before he ever hit first grade. He tried his hand at writing some comics for the APA after college, but contented himself with running his successful chain of comic shops in Oregon. But with some prestige surrounding his new company and some cash in his pocket, Mike Richardson started buying up titles for comic representation. Movie franchises like Aliens and Predator and Godzilla and Star Wars, a property Marvel once owned the comic rights to and let lapse in the late 80s due to a creator payment dispute. These titles were immensely popular and often more violent than anything you found on the shelves from Marvel and DC. They were also not just licensed books. Dark Horse approached these titles as if the name on the cover alone would not sell them. The pages inside had to be good, had to capture the spirit of the properties. The rule of thumb is a simple one. Don't do anything in the comics you wouldn't see in the movies. Aside from that, go play. In fact, Predator 2, the movie, was an adaptation of the first Predator comics from Dark Horse. Dark Horse released the first of their Aliens vs. Predator series in 1990, bringing two of their licensed properties together in a wildly popular series that would go on to inspire more movies. They were geared for the adult market that was now buying comics and renting cubbies in their preferred comic stores to collect all their favorite new releases. By 1991, Richardson was launching a line of toys based on his popular comics, and the following year formed a movie and television division. 91 was a big year for Dark Horse, as it saw the release of The Mask, the comic series that would go on to become Jim Carrey's big hit in 1994, and a movie that Dark Horse would help produce. 
and Sin City was released that year, the comic of course, which would spawn two movies, one of which is pretty good. And there were non-comic books too, like a series of prequel novels about the rise of Tony Montana, the main character from Brian De Palma's Scarface, and collections of Playboy interviews. Whatever seemed interesting or cool or unusual, that's what Dark Horse was interested in offering to the public. Richardson had stated a simple philosophy. Quote, Every comic we do, whether we ask to share the film or toy rights or not, we publish because we think it's a great comic. We want to survive far into the future, but we also want to leave a legacy. As such, Dark Horse gives the creators and artists of the books it publishes a cut of the profits, giving them a stake in the success of their own work and cementing, or concreting if you will, Dark Horse's reputation as an artist-friendly company. This focus on the artist also allows for some leeway in releases. Concrete, for example, can sometimes take months between issues, yet Dark Horse stands by it and releases an issue when it's good and damn ready. When Paul Chadwick, the creator of Concrete, was asked what it would take for him to jump ship and take his award-winning comic elsewhere, Chadwick said, quote, A plane going down with Mike Richardson on it. Mike's done a lot for me. It would be the height of disloyalty to go somewhere else. In 1994, Mike Mignola published the first issue of Hellboy with Dark Horse Comics, and that commercial success sat nicely alongside the 1996 comic Usagi Yojimbo, which won the Eisner Award, sort of the Oscars of comic books. Dark Horse, which had gotten ahead of the manga wave with Godzilla King of Monsters, as you may remember, was now publishing other manga series like Oh My Goddess and Blade of the Immortal, which ran from 1996 all the way to 2015. They also published Lone Wolf and Cub, a giant success for its 28-volume run. And these are some gory, violent books. Neil Hankerson, the executive VP of Dark Horse, said, We're reprinting them as they were published in Japan. We publish as is, or we don't publish at all. By 2006, Dark Horse marked its 20th anniversary as the third most popular print in the business, behind DC and Marvel. They marked the 2000s with new lines like Steve Niles' Criminal Macabre, a new comic from the guy that brought you 30 Days of Night, and even reprinted some old EC Comics horror and thriller lines. They've licensed out titles for series like The Umbrella Academy and Avatar The Last Airbender, Troll Hunters, The Rocketeer, and more. The year following their 20th anniversary, 2007, Dark Horse brought Buffy the Vampire Slayer back with a new series that was written by the original creators and served as a direct sequel to season 7 of the show, the final season, continuing the story in comic form. While they were changing the comics game by making that new run, they were also producing movies like My Name is Bruce with Bruce Campbell and the Emmy-winning Mr. Warmth, the Don Rickles Project. It was a diverse set of projects that reflected the diverse interests of Mike Richardson. And all of this with a team of about 100 people and about $30 million in yearly revenue, and all of it controlled by Mike Richardson himself, who has his hands in every division of the company. A lot of companies have tried to do what I've done, Richardson said. They try to take comics and cruise them into films. He also pointed out that there is often, quote, a long period between a sale and when a film gets made. If your comics can't stand on their own, they may not last very long. Most recently, Dark Horse was bought by Embracer Group, which is largely known for acquiring video game companies. 
Mike Richardson still maintains creative control, however, and the official statement suggests that the deal opens up all of Embracer Group's holdings to adaptation by Dark Horse Comics, and vice versa. In short, Dark Horse has never been more financially stable or with more creative resources to continue for as long as Mike Richardson and his team desire. As one of his employees, Bob Shrek, said, quote, I know one thing. As long as there's air pumping through Mike's lungs, Dark Horse will be there. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who knows more about comics and has more of a love of comics than Mike. But enough of those things that, you know, make people happy. What the hell happened to this one? R.I.P.D. Rather than Dark Horse being intimately involved, the comics company had entered into a three-picture deal with Universal in March of 2008, offering many of Dark Horse's properties up for grabs to Universal. They'd had a good working relationship in making the underrated Hellboy 2 the Golden Army, but despite their previous success, they couldn't seem to get anything else made during those three years. Well, except for R.I.P.D. According to Deadline, the total budget of this movie, and you may want to sit down for this one, is over $184 million, with some tax breaks to bring it down to the far more reasonable $156 million. Part of that money went to the 3D studio, who had to get the movie prepped for a 3D release, as was the fashion at the time, only four months before the film's release. The studio, too, felt like this low-rent Men in Black wasn't coming together in the editing. And they stepped in to try to make some sense of the thing. And then came the release of the trailer. The clear inspirations of the movie were on full display, along with the mealy-mouthed delivery of Jeff Bridges in the co-starring role, alongside Ryan Reynolds, who looked positively bored by being in this movie. I don't blame him for that one. With public sentiment turning against the film, Universal pulled money from the marketing in an effort to reduce their losses. And sure enough, the movie opened to an utter lack of enthusiasm. It opened the same weekend as James Wan's mega-hit The Conjuring and a couple of ironic competitors. One was Red 2, which did better than R.I.P.D., and was the sequel to the aging hitman story Red, which had been directed by R.I.P.D. director Robert Schwinke. Also opening was Turbo, an animated movie about a fast snail voiced by, you guessed it, Ryan Reynolds. So, you know, good for him, I guess. The movie opened in 7th place, which is not great, and even less great is how quickly it sank. The worldwide take for the movie was somewhere around $78 million. After movie chains got their cut and about $30 million spent in press for the movie, R.I.P.D. was a financial loser to the tune of about $140 million, which places it in the top 10 financial disasters of all time. Obviously, Ryan Reynolds has gone on to bigger and better things, while Jeff Bridges appears to have been slapped on the back while playing Rooster Cogburn so that his voice is now permanently mumble-mouthed. Still, hard not to like the guy who gave us the dude and that hair from previous Pick 6 film, King Kong. Director Robert Schwenke went on to direct a couple of the Divergent series of movies, including Insurgent and Allegiant, which are movies that do exist but not so anyone noticed, he also helmed the G.I. Joe spinoff Snake Eyes, which was also a box office disappointment, but the guy's working and that's something, I guess. But enough of this information feast, let's get Chad in here and carve up this cinematic turkey. Ladies and gentlemen, cops and dedos, it's 2013's R.I.P.D.
And welcome back to Pick 6 Movies. I am the person responsible for this one. <laughs> As we continue our, our series, Bombs Away, all about movies that are financial and, uh, let's just face it, spiritual failures as pieces of entertainment. <laughs> and joined, uh, as always, by my old pal, Chad Cooper. Let me just <laughs> apologize to start with for making you watch R.I.P.D. twice. Yeah, this one's a real stinker. You know, the crazy thing about... Hi, everybody. The crazy <laughs> thing about this movie is you laid out in your introduction, everything about this movie should work, but it doesn't. It's like if someone baked a big batch of beautiful chocolate cupcakes and they just forgot to put the sugar in it. Yeah. You know, it all looks fantastic, but it tastes like garbage. Well, <laughs> it looks fantastic. That's one of the problems with this movie is it kind of looks bad. Well, it, it looks yeah. fantastic on paper, like in concept, yeah, right. the people in it, just the elevator pitch of it's men in black, but with dead people instead of aliens. And we got an old timey cowboy and we got Ryan Reynolds. And you're like, it's almost like watching some of those Robin Williams movies where it's like Robin Williams, but he's a boy who grows into an old man. Like, oh, I can see that. It's Robin Williams, but he's a doctor who does hijinks. Oh, I can see that. Like, I don't need to see those movies. In my mind, I've already played the whole thing out. And at the end, he dies or somebody dies. Same mm -hmm. thing here. I, I don't need to see this movie. Unfortunately, I did twice. Thanks a lot. But it's the movie kind of writes itself, but it doesn't. Or it yeah. does a terrible job. And the comic, as I mentioned in that introduction, like at least has the interesting premise of, hey, I'm basically signing my time over to find the person who killed me. And that's kind of an interesting hook. But they don't do that, Bo. Not in the movie, he, right? It, no. He knows who his murderer is from the beginning. That would have been an interesting movie to sort of mitigate that change you make your main character a dirty cop and even though he regrets doing it he's still a dirty cop and that drains some of the heroism out of him and as we've talked about offline and and so forth uh, another big problem that you have right out of the gate is your main character ryan reynolds looks like he would rather be anywhere but making this movie yeah there are a couple of times like you see his eyes dart off to craft services yeah <laughs> hey is that, is that uh is this bagel day i love bagels <laughs> oh i'm sorry you were saying something jeff bridges <laughs> I do think it is important to really pinpoint where the two leads in our movie were at the time of their career. You know, you mentioned that this was one of the steps of Jeff Bridges slowly morphing into the real life cowboy persona that has taken over his day to day existence. Because <laughs> you had what this true grit and crazy heart. Yeah. I mean, that trifecta just magically turned him into a walking, talking cowboy a la Beetlejuice or <laughs> something. It's really really something it, al pacino is a good analog of like after he did sin of a woman he just sounded like his character from sin of a woman from then on yeah i go back to like john wayne and jimmy stewart those are two actors that when you look at their early work and how they evolved into this living persona of their big screen adaptation of who they are mm -hmm. and he's just he's like that like i'm surprised he just doesn't like ride a horse everywhere goes that would be great and and again god bless jeff bridges like i know he was battling cancer recently and he's in remission and and may he live forever jeff bridges is a national treasure i love him to death for all the shit i'm gonna give him in this recording i love jeff bridges i think he's terrific like starman is one of my favorite movies i love that king kong a whole lot like he's a wonderful wonderful actor you know i've got the jagged edge uh burger king cup set mm -hmm. you've got that 
Fabulous Baker Boys tattoo uh, on your upper thigh. Man, Fabulous Baker Boys is a terrific movie also. Uh, he's really good at that. <laughs> Hell, you're named after his brother. That's right. My parents were like, well, it, look, we we like Jeff Bridges, but who's the real talent in the family? <laughs> it's clearly Bo. Who, who is the Baker Boy that went unsung, you know? <laughs> I think that when we think about Ryan Reynolds now, especially with all of the well-deserved accolades from Deadpool 1 and 2, which are unbelievably fantastic movies. I have very low hopes for Deadpool 3 mm -hmm. because of the announced director behind that, but that's for a different conversation, a different day. But at this point in time, he was coming off a string of movies that were not very good or that nobody saw because he had that Amityville horror reboot in the early aughts. Which was one of the first times that he took off a shirt and you were like, when did Ryan Reynolds get cut like this? <laughs> Holy shit. Look at this Canadian beefcake. Well, I think after all the shit that he took for being in Just Friends where everybody was like, Holy shit, look how fat Ryan Reynolds is. It's a fat suit. <laughs> I'm not talking about him in the suit. Look at him waddling around, always darting his eyes over at craft services. Oink, oink. Hey, is that donuts today? <laughs> I really like Just Friends. It, that is a movie that I have a lot of time for. I don't care for pretty much any movie where somebody's waddling around in a fat suit. It's Anna Ferris that makes that movie, who is terrific. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're right. So there's, there's that. There's, like you said, the uh, Amityville Horror remake, which is pretty terrible. He was the arm candy to Sandy Bullock over in... Uh, the Proposal. Yeah, he did Buried, which is a pretty good movie, but nobody saw it. Right. He did Green Lantern, which everybody hated. Yeah, which we haven't done yet, but trust me, that is on deck. <laughs> That's a terrible film. You mentioned he did some voice work in that movie Turbo, mm -hmm. which came out around the same time this did, which Turbo, by the way, is a real mess of a movie that rips off the movie Cars, which is a ripoff of the movie Doc Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Which is a ripoff of the Bible? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything is kind of. Everybody's ripping off everybody. It's, it's but then, a ripoff of the story of Gilgamesh. Then comes R.I.P.D., which you would think would kind of be the perfect vehicle for Ryan Reynolds' lovable asshole persona, but mm -hmm. that didn't happen until Deadpool came out, which is also strange if you've never seen this movie and you watch it, having seen the Deadpool movies, you're like, this movie has a lot of the same beats of Deadpool. It's yeah. just horribly, horribly done. And the thing that Deadpool has going for it as well is that it's an R-rated movie. All bets are off. You can do and show whatever you want. And there is something to be said for that. Like the restraint of RIPD is one of its problems, I think. Mm -hmm. Because when you're dealing with shambling corpses walking the earth and you just can't get gory with it. And, and I think that this movie being kind of an over-the-top splattery kind of movie would have made it more fun and interesting. It still wouldn't have solved your character problems, but it would have been something. Yeah, we'll get into that. Our movie starts off and we get one of those, I'll bet you wonder how I got here moments. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, this trope could go to hell. It's so <laughs> overdone. I guess 10 years ago, maybe not so much, but. The only time it works in my memory is in The Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good i also like uh, how it's used in uh thor ragnarok where it's done as parody you know where it's it like it acknowledges how tired the trope is and kind of leans into that but other than that sort of self-irony of a movie like that 
anytime your movie w- opens with. So, I guess you're wondering what, what led to this crazy moment. Well, if you think you've had a bad day at work, I've got you beat. <laughs> so we get this long shot down a service corridor leading to this platform, and this pasty, white, grotesque blob of a CGI cartoon character comes bursting through the door, laughing and howling like Lenny after finding a batch of bunnies to play with. And then we see <laughs> Jeff Bridges popping out full cowboy. He's in pursuit with Ryan Reynolds following along. They're going after this obese albino Incredible Hulk who's carrying a silver briefcase. And this fat bastard, he does a backflip off a WB Mason truck and then lands like Spider-Man with his Fred Flintstone-sized feet stuck to the outside of a building. So this blob guy is standing perpendicular to the street below. And then this big fat guy turns around to Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. He gives him the middle finger and goes, suck it. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Milo has come back. (laughs) You guys suck. (laughs) And and Ryan Reynolds is aiming a gun at, at the guy. And then a car comes along and just flattens him prior to that he says three or four days ago i didn't even know this world existed I'm like wait what like and then after this car comes rolling down the street donkey kong style and almost hits ryan reynolds he follows it up and he says but three or four days ago i wasn't in the rest in peace department and we get title credit mm-hmm. then a text overlay that says three or four days ago because both this movie is unsure of when anything happens it has no concept of time or how long it takes for things to actually occur also in that opening sequence we get treated to some of the direction from one robert schwinke and it is the migraine inducing whip pans and crazy angles and quick zooms and quick cuts Mm -hmm. that tells you that oh this is just a big music video of a movie we're not going to linger for more than two seconds on any scene and i hate this style of direction you know some (laughs) people can pull it off like i think the uh, guy who do the John Wick movie do some of this but they can get away with it because they're really talented at at that kind of stuff this sort of direction just makes me want to throw up it's terrible but yeah so we get this RIPD logo and then we cut to the three or four days ago because like you said this movie doesn't really give a shit about which was it was it three or four (laughs) and like I know we're playing off the fact that that's what Ryan Reynolds said and we're being all cute and cheeky but it's also it's a good metaphor for the movie as a whole which is everything is just slightly more vague than you want it to be because when you see like that Deto, as they're called we'll get to that running up the building and stuff you're like oh okay so what are the rules for these things again there are none okay well i guess yeah i I guess there's nothing whatever the screen shows me is what they can do i suppose i don't have any other thing to grasp onto but you cut to ryan reynolds burying something in his backyard at night and Chad, we've all been there where we've had to cover up a crime with some late night gardening. <laughs> They're these busted up gold looking artifacts. These belong in a museum! Which, by, uh, by the way, I could see Ryan Reynolds as a legitimately good replacement for Harrison Ford in an Indiana Jones reboot. Like a total reboot. Like mm-hmm. first movies never existed. James Bond style. He's handsome enough. He can do the serious stuff. He can do the smarmy one-offs. You want to go to hell tonight, Bullock? 
You want to see God? Let's go see him together. It's going to happen. They're making Indiana Jones, what, five or six with Harrison Ford. Eventually, they're going to recast that role, right? They've got to because Harrison Ford is a human skeleton at this point. He's 98 (laughs) years old. He has no business being in movies anymore. Anyway, as of right now, I'll raise my hand and vote for Ryan Reynolds to play the next Indiana Jones. It's better than Chris Pratt, who is the other person that gets cast in everything. So... Chris Pratt, they were putting him in everything for a while there. He's in Guardians, Jurassic Park. He's doing voiceover work. He's in everything. Like, enough. Yeah, he's Mario. He's Mario Mario from Mario Brothers. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so he's burying this this gold beneath an orange tree that he's planting. And mm-hmm. after covering up his crime, he goes to bed with his French girlfriend, I guess. Yeah, she comes in and she jumps on top of him. She's wearing like a tank top and her panties. And she says, this French girl has got the drop on Boston's finest. And there is an orange tree in our backyard. I had a dream last night that I had a pot belly. The rest of me was normal. Just my belly was big. You want some pot? (laughs) Why would he put an orange tree over his buried treasure? Why not place it under something less noticeable, like a giant red X or a flashing neon sign that says nothing to see here? (laughs) It's highly (laughs) suspicious. And she's like, this tree, it will not make it through the winter. And he says, listen, I I just want to be able to give you the best things, you know, you deserve it. And she says, yeah. you know, I do not worry about the money. Only you worry about that. I just worry about the fuck. Well, that's because, sweetheart, you don't have a job. All right. <laughs> you just go for long runs, run around in your panties and jump my bones in the morning before I go off to work to commit crimes. So she tells him, like, the only thing I want is you and your police stick right here. <laughs> And you don't wear around the belt. You know, the, the penis. And he's like, well, honey, one thing I can guarantee you, and there is no way I'm lying about this, you'll always have me. I'll always be alive. <laughs> it is absolutely that conversation that two people have that lets you know, well, one of them is about to die. Uh-huh. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is about to go south in a big way. And, and right, like you said, she just is, is like, okay, uh, now that we have had the sex, it is time for me to go on my run. Goodbye. Enjoy your day at work and not dying. Au revoir, Ryan Reynolds. Have good day doing honest police work. Do not be piece of shit. It's, so he goes to work and we meet his partner, mm-hmm. who is Kevin Bacon in this Yes, movie. we saw Kevin Bacon's penis. My God. In Wild Things, season six, episode four. And I tagged that page with the phrase Kevin Bacon's huge penis because <laughs> we can, you know, put meta tags on our web pages. Uh-huh. And and if you search for Kevin Bacon's huge penis, Pick Six Movies is the third natural search result that comes up. Nice. And both that is regularly the top page viewed on our website. Sure, because <laughs> I, I alone have searched for Kevin Bacon's huge penis at least 30 or 40 times. <laughs> It's impressive. I said I need to tag RIPD with Kevin Bacon's huge penis and let those two battle it out. <laughs> Get in their penises. Let's see which one he is bigger. Yeah, you absolutely should. And Ryan Reynolds cut. So or cut penis for that matter. <laughs> Kevin Bacon walks over to Ryan Reynolds and he says, uh, hey, uh, what'd you what'd you do with the gold that we illegally came into possession of? And Ryan Reynolds says, Well, I buried it, but I gotta tell you, I'm out. He's like, Whoa, 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 hey. Come on here, uh, Ron Reynolds. You know, like, this sets us up for life. What are you even doing? I'll move the merchandise for us. Remember earlier in this movie when your wife, she's your wife, right? Maybe is she a girlfriend? I remember when your wife, your girlfriend wife was talking to you and she was talking about how you're worried about money and you wanted to buy her a real house that had 
heat in the winter? This gold, that's gonna do that for you. No way, buddy. I'm out. All right. All right. Yeah. We should probably just turn all of this stolen gold in to the police of which we are. Yeah, and Kevin Bacon gives them this whole song and dance about like, you know what? I hate it when you're right, but when you're right, you're right. So I'm going to put mine in evidence too. And I do like the moment when Ryan Reynolds <laughs> says like, hey, I'm not wagging my finger at you, buddy. You can keep the illegal gold that you've stolen if you want. I won't tell a soul, but I'm just not going to live with this. Like, I looked into my wife, maybe girlfriend, maybe a fiance. I'm really not sure where we are in our relationship right now. <laughs> I looked in her eyes and I just couldn't stand it, pal. And she was writing me this morning like I was one of those bar electric bulls. <laughs> I thought to myself, I just can't give this up. About this time, some cop comes in and says, Hey, boys, we got a drug bus going down. Come on, we got them. They give the name of like, hey, we got Garza. And everybody's like, Garza, Garza, we got Garza? Come on, we've been trying to get Garza. And you're like, oh, okay, is this movie going to be about Garza then? Nope. <laughs> no. This whole slew of cops bus in. Sirens blaring, Bo. Helicopters overhead. I think there was a marching band and a... <laughs> jackhammer enthusiast group coming along <laughs> riding jackhammers like pogo sticks <laughs> we're gonna be hiding in plain sight boys we're gonna make so much noise they're gonna try to ignore us will somebody turn the sound of all those sirens and police cocky their shotguns down we're trying to make drugs for distribution who is watching heat while we're trying to conduct our crime during the drive over Ryan Reynolds says to Kevin Bacon, so I like your charm bracelet. And Kevin Bacon says, oh, this is my grandmother's St. Christopher medal. Jackass, it protects me. And they do a very pointed shot of like, oh, by the way, here's the medallion on his wrist. That might be important. <laughs> yeah, the police show up. They surround the warehouse. They bust in. And dude, the murder just begins. Nobody's reading rights. Nobody <laughs> is trying to actually take anybody to the police station that's not in a body bag it is just anytime somebody turns a corner they're getting shot by ryan reynolds and the rest <laughs> of the cops it's crazy ryan reynolds gives pursuit of the main drug dealer what was his name garza garza and he goes up on a catwalk i know this because ryan reynolds says hey the main drug dealer garza is up on the catwalk so he scampers up there and down below things just exploding and catching fire ryan reynolds walks up on the catwalk he turns around and uh-oh bo Kevin Bacon is there and Kevin Bacon says I can't let you turn that gold in and then Kevin Bacon just shoots Ryan Reynolds with his gun mm -hmm. and Ryan Reynolds he falls backwards off the catwalk to the ground below doing a nice Greg Louganis on his way down and then everything just stops all time stops and Ryan Reynolds his character stands up and walks out of the warehouse while all of the people and the bullets are stopped in real time and all of this chaos has come to a pause and then once outside Ryan Reynolds he gets sucked up into the sky because he's now dead and he's going to heaven I guess yeah. I don't really know I, it doesn't look like heaven where he's going it looks like hell maybe up is down and down is up but on his way up before he can even get there he gets zapped into this sterile black and white office and environment with no wall decorations and across the table from him is mary louise parker or as he put it mary louise parker posey yeah i can't tell him apart i just called her mary louise parker posey to make sure i got most of it right <laughs> and she says <laughs> huh so it's a uh, understandable to be a little tongue-tied at first but being a dirty cop is one of the higher risk jobs in the world so yeah it turns out you got shot in the face which is a, a thing that they mention a couple of times in the movie but he 
didn't get shot in the face. He got shot in the chest. Right, because if he had been shot in the face when he got up, or at least when you saw him falling, his face would have been shot. And that is never the case, which is, again, another problem with this movie, just pulling too many punches, I think. But she says, so were you worried that maybe you were going to be judged uh, as being a criminal when you got before the big guy or whatever happens when you die that this movie takes no stand on? Mm -hmm. And she says, well, you can take your chances with that judgment or you can join the ripd and help find people who have escaped judgment right she says your tour is a hundred years back in boston i'll do it right and <laughs> she's like look i know what you're thinking and i'll do it yeah it's not what you think though it's, I'm, I'm done i'll do it hundred years i'm done look when you I... get there you can't have your old life back Okay. okay fine and she's yes. like all right well let's go let me give it a little bippity boppity boom magic and all of a sudden there's a badge burned onto his chest she holds some leverage over him because with her question of how did you feel on your way towards judgment were you worried and then she pulls out this big book and she says i know everything about you ryan reynolds you need a good recommendation on judgment day and to your earlier point it is ryan reynolds character like a real piece of shit cop because they led us to believe that he was being dragged down by Kevin Bacon. You know, like how Pinocchio got hoodwinked by that smarmy kid mm -hmm. in the little bowler hat who smoked and drank. But then this scene lets us know that there is a giant book filled with shady shit that Ryan Reynolds did while on Earth. Like, like Harvey Keitel level of crimes against humanity. It's a real bad lieutenant on our hands here. <laughs> but that's the question, right? Because as we saw him in the beginning of the movie, yeah, he did something shady, but he immediately regretted it and was trying to make amends for it is the rest of the file just jerking off and all the times that he told his wife that he nah. was looking up some molding for the kitchen when really he was looking at german porn or i think in reference to your introduction you know with him being a bad cop and him wanting to come back to find his murderer would have been a much more interesting play and would have helped to create better chemistry or just character interaction with ryan reynolds and jeff bridges when he eventually shows up during this scene with mary louise parker posey ryan reynolds asks, hey what's up with the steel Dan playing. And if you listen real close, you can hear Steely Dan's Hey 19 playing in the background, which Hey 19 is a song about an older guy plying a 19-year-old girl with Jose Cuervo so he can have sex with her. Right. She's like, well, <laughs> we just play this to make Jeffrey Epstein feel more comfortable when he comes through here. <laughs> really? Where am I again? You yeah. asked too many questions. Let's go. And this, also, and this scene is a completely drab, lifeless, uninspired ripoff of Men in Black. It all feels completely derivative there's no energy or fun it is absent the gruffness of rip taylor from men in black just watch it feels like he's in the men in black office yeah it because it's just a bunch of desks it's very like as you said very plain looking and we do see cops from various times you know that's kind of the deal is that these are police officers taken from presumably the dawn of history forward and who are still working off their time and whatnot yeah there's like keystone cops and there are cops from the 50s and the 70s can you imagine just the wide variety of racist views that exist in the <laughs> oh, ripd sure no you cannot <laughs> let these people out on the street the, the, like not just the obvious racism but the number of people that are like anti 
he Irish? Right, that's what I'm talking about. You know, there's going to be plenty of that. The fact that they're working for a woman <laughs> isn't sitting real well with a lot of these guys. Can you imagine working HR for the RIPD department? What a nightmare that must be. You've just got to tell them, like, look, you can't ever speak to anybody ever in this <laughs> office or you're going straight to hell. That's the only way you keep them in line. <laughs> So these two cops walk by with what can only be described as a supersized and somewhat melted version of Sloth from the Goonies. And this freak is handcuffed, but manages to break free from the two officers as they made their way through the RIPD headquarters. This melted monster runs about 30 feet. None of these cops really do anything. And then the monster suddenly explodes like a balloon bow where we meet Jeff Bridges, who is the one who has shot this giant melting freak. Everybody complains. He's like, what are you talking about? I had to kill him because he was going to behave there. And you're like, what just happened? I'm the only one willing to link her up. Don't worry. I'll plant a gun on him if it'll make you feel any better. That's an actual line of I'll plant a gun on him. And that is not the first time he's made that offer. And Mary Lee's Parker is like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, we both know what it's about. It's about you and me doing the horizontal monkey bunky and you're like what <laughs> these two are former lovers all right oh wait are they dead people are they spirits or angels or demons and they can date and have sex all right let's ask a couple of other questions not only can these dead people presumably have sex when is their time off what days off do you get they say later that they never eat and they never sleep yeah i <laughs> I guess this is how about we step into the bathroom? <laughs> I haven't slept in 114 years. Do they wear the clothes that they were wearing when they died? I mean, presumably. They've got to have some sort of infrastructure to manage all this. Like I mentioned the HR department. Like, do they have janitorial? Do they have homes? If they don't sleep, do they just wander around shooting deados? This sounds horrible. Yeah. Th I mean, this is just a nightmare existence. This sounds like hell. Hell, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but he does get to have sex with Mary Louise Parker Posey, so that's something. I guess, but even then, I feel worse for her about that than anything. <laughs> Just dealing with this racist, misogynistic, foul-smelling. <laughs> Let's just get that out of the way. Anyway, after he meets Ryan Reynolds, like, Ryan Reynolds reaches to shake his hand, and he's like, psych! No, you gotta earn that handshake! And then leads him into this booth that kind of wraps around them, and we see a toilet in there, and this is their method of getting down to earth it's kind of like platform nine and three quarters but in a public bathroom yeah it's a magical transport back to earth right yeah and it opens up inside a vhs repair shop uh one strangely not run by the red letter media guys which i was yes. crossing my fingers for <laughs> I just want to pause for a moment. I want to talk about what Ryan Reynolds looks like in this movie, because you have a vision of Ryan Reynolds. Uh -huh. And in this movie, he's not charming or funny at all. He's got this five o'clock shadow and this quaff of dark brown hair that's this real like postmodern Martin Riggs sans the mullet. <laughs> okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges have zero chemistry in this movie. And I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it's the character's 
themselves or their lack of motivation. Because Jeff Bridges' Wild West shoot 'em up character, you would think he's the gruff, no nonsense character in this relationship, except he's the most nonsensical character in the movie. Also, he has no goal or purpose other than just do his job. What this movie should have done is throw in the, I'm just two weeks away from retirement. Like, he's been here for a hundred years. He's this close to leaving the RIPD. And so he doesn't want to have any screw-ups to meddle with him ending his sentence. That gives him agency, gives him purpose in the movie. Instead, he's just like, yeah! <laughs> he's just a wanton murderer out for more blood. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Ryan Reynolds, when she offers the chance to go back to Earth, he's like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Like, you needed to remove the fact that we, the audience, and Ryan Reynolds know who murdered him. Therefore, he's like, I got to get back to Earth to find out who killed me and then it's kind of a surprise when it happens and then you're able to kind of pull in the danger of his girlfriend wife concubine and it that all comes together but the whole thing is just so frayed it's really frustrating it seems like this is a layup of a movie and they just muck it up <laughs> right yeah there's a an old meme that i really like and you're gonna love this chat because it's about role-playing games <laughs> But there's the idea in role-playing games of the critical fail. Like, if you roll a one on a 20-sided die, that is not just, hey, you failed the task, but you really fucked it up. Right. And there's a great meme that's like a guy saying to the game master, hey, I want to pet this dog. And you roll a one and the game master tells you, oh, instead you slap the dog. (laughs) You know, and it's that kind of thing where it's like this on paper, as we've said, this should be an easy layup. But what happens is the ball goes over the hoop and the player runs into the pole (laughs) holding the goal. Our two heroes walk out of the VCR repair shop and Jeff Bridges says, that's right, you're back. Don't wet your pants over it. We don't want to be late. And then Ryan Reynolds, he got killed, what, 10 minutes ago? Uh He walks around on the streets like, so much has changed. Is this the future? What year is it? Well, we got to get you some closure, so we're going to take you down to your funeral. (laughs) So that's what they do. They go to his funeral, and Ryan Reynolds watches from above with Jeff Bridges. Disappointing turnout. I expected more. I'll just sit here and be silent. Let you soak it in. It's not about me. It's all all about you. Hey, (laughs) why is Kevin Bacon hugging my wife? And how does he have a mustache? Right. He looks like a child molester with that mustache. And by the way, I'm just sitting back here (laughs) keeping quiet. (laughs) My funeral was just a bunch of coyotes picking my carcass clean and dragging my bones into a cave. Mmm. So, Ryan Reynolds sees his (laughs) wife taking this girlfriend. Right. <laughs> Roommate. His brother's cousin through like a step situation. Who knows? But he runs after her and he's like, hey, it's me. I'm still here. And she's like, I don't know you. And a bunch of cops grab him and Kevin Bacon is like, get him, boys. Ka-thunk, 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 ka-thunk. <laughs> hey, buddy, what is your problem? And Ryan Riddles like makes for him. and But he gets dragged off by all these cops. And when all of this goes down, Jeff Bridges is just hanging out waiting for him sitting on a tombstone and he goes well that went well <laughs> why didn't they recognize me well it turns out that one part of the plan and 
grand scheme of the cosmos is that you look and sound different. You don't look nothing like yourself. In fact, here's your new IDs. And <laughs> it's James Hong is who he turns out to be, who is the Chinese actor who's been in every Everything. Movie. Yeah. He's a ter- just got a walk of fame star. Good for him. He's a great actor. He has been in television and movies since the 50s, but he was on an episode of Sky King. Yeah. So good. <laughs> James Hong is a, just a, one, again, well, I know I throw this word around, but like a true national treasure of an actor. Blade Runner, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. He was the voice of Poe's adoptive father in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. And Kung Fu Panda 2. And may, probably Kung Fu Panda 3. He's he's terrific. <laughs> he is so good. Why wouldn't Mary Louise Parker Posey explain the rules to Ryan Reynolds before he made it to Earth? This seems like something that they should have established up in RIPD HQ. Like, here's your ID. You can't tell anybody. If you feed your partner after midnight, he's going to turn into a monster. It takes Jeff Bridges to explain the central question of why do any of this which is you know ryan reynolds <laughs> has him at a certain point in the movie like so why do we have to kill all these deados and get them back to you know the i'm RPG? glad you asked that that's a pretty good question to ask it's a central question of this movie it goes to the mechanics of why we're doing any of this ryan reynolds does ask him so i'm a chinese guy what do you look like and then we get a shot of these two graveyard landscapers drive by in a service cart and we get the movies whatever pop dance mix of some song that i didn't bother to look up Mm -hmm. and in slow motion we get to see these two graveyard landscapers looking over at them and we see marissa miller yeah chinese avatar yeah standing next to this blonde-haired long-legged supermodel marissa miller which i know her from nothing other than this movie because i think she was in this and nothing else yeah, she's done a little bit of acting. She's most famous for having been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That kind of thing. So... Good for her. Yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, it's great. You know what? I will say, this gag is funny. When you see them together and you're like, oh, they're going to do something with this of having this supermodel with this old Chinese man who's dressed like a 90-year-old. Right, like, like he's going fishing. He's he's dressed like Jack Lemon from Grumpy Old Man. Absolutely. And they don't do anything with these two characters yeah. not really no yeah, right it's used for a couple of gags but it's real throwaway but yeah you're right you could do an extended sequence where this is really funny and it has a couple of moments like the scene where uh, we'll get to it where the guy comes up to him at the airport is all right but uh, yeah it's a, uh, as with everything in this movie it's a real missed opportunity and most of the times that they do that it's responsive rather than being proactive of like using your avatar to your benefit as opposed to like oh yeah i forgot i look like this therefore i have to respond in kind so we're in the car with them and with our new buddy cops jeff bridges is just driving around turned sideways with his legs spread (laughs) yeah or you're riding with me you're riding with the best you understand but the car is like screeching and crashing and weaving it out of traffic and jeff bridges says when you're with me things come at you hard and fast and wet like gross i like that he stops and eyes a woman's ankles ryan reynolds is like what are we doing again and he's like well there were standards were different back in the day look at the pretty lady with her ankles just out there for all the world to see and ryan reynolds says listen i don't want you to have to worry about me and my designs on my wife 
wife, partner. And Jeff Bridges is like, partner? Partner? Why, I had a partner. Greatest man I ever knew. Until he shot me in the back. You and I are not partners. That word does not apply to us. And it's like, oh, I see where we're going with this. <laughs> Do the RIPD have to obey the laws of mortal men? Could they strangle a human? Like, they can't shoot them with their magic ghost gun. Uh-huh. They tell us that later. Could Jeff Bridges' character, when his avatar takes off her clothes, does she have a vagina? One presumes, and that begs the further question, why is Jeff Bridges not sidelighting as a Sports Illustrated model <laughs> to make some sweet, sweet human money and live a life of luxury back on Earth? Could Ryan Reynolds' avatar James Hong get Jeff Bridges' avatar Marissa Miller pregnant? Could Ryan Reynolds, as James <laughs> song go on to a successful and storied acting career with, with this avatar all right so we cut to later that evening and ryan reynolds and jeff bridges they open up the trunk of their car and they pull out this bag full of indian takeout and they walk into this apartment building where they see a plant that is freshly dead and rotting and jeff bridges says got a tip there's a ghetto in here the ghettos affect everything and kill plants people make everything worse he refers to it as a a soul stink they got a soul stink on them. broken shit all over the place they ruin everything they touch and around them and we got these here bullets i call them soul killers okay uh-huh so they go up to the floor in the elevator that's got the busted number on it when they get up there jeff Bridges gives Ryan Reynolds a cylinder filled with bullets and he says, you gotta shoot him in the head. Uh, face is most gratifying. Don't hurt living people. Well, hurt us. Careful where you point that thing. Also, these real-life guns, that one on your ankle, won't do diddly squat here. So real guns don't kill deados. Only our magic ghost guns kill deados. That's right. He could shoot somebody with his real gun and kill them. So in theory then, you could shoot somebody, kill them in real life, have them shot back down to Earth earth because they refuse to go up and then shoot them with a ghost gun uh-huh yep all right anyway so they follow this trail of broken lights and busted elevator buttons and stuff like that all the way to the apartment of a guy named stanley nitwitki or something yeah it's covered in ectoplasm on the outside <laughs> right which never comes up again later the only time you kind of see this happen for realsies is with kevin bacon later but we'll get to that and then they're arguing over who's gonna knock and Jeffrey just finally says, I knock, you do the cards. You're like, you do the what? So he, they knock on the door, Stanley Nowicki answers, and he sees the supermodel and the old Chinese guy there. So he lets him in, because who wouldn't? I mean, yeah, it's an old Chinese guy. <laughs> Jeffrey just says, Stanley, we got a sneaking suspicion you might be a dead guy. So they walk inside, <laughs> and then R Ryan Reynolds starts reading off these cards, which is never explained to us. And he says, it's late on Ash Wednesday, an Asian teenager in a slammed out Acura offers you a plate of chicken vindaloo. Do you accept? And then Stanley says, uh, how am I supposed to answer that? No, the answer is no. And then Jeff Bridges just starts shoveling Indian takeout into his mouth. Yeah, and then delicious. Stanley just starts to sweating and gagging. And then the second card, I think mentions Indian food. Yeah, Sack Paneer is the next card. And, and finally, the guy does what they refer to as popping. Right. Where he just starts sprouting special effects. Yeah, he turns 
into a sketch from Tim Burton's high school notebook. Yeah, and Jeff Bridges is like, well, when they pop, they kind of embody what they were. Like, this boy was a snitch in his real life, and this is all metaphorical and shit. That's why his mouth is so big. Oh, is that why? Yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah, well, he says it in, you know, that same, <laughs> I've got a mouthful of marbles way, so it's amazing <laughs> that. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds is like, I'm not touching that thing. I'm not, I'm not going to put handcuffs on it. And Jeff Bridges is like, well, what are you here for? Go get him. Put your cuffs on him. So he goes over to handcuff this thing and the stanley monster rips off a refrigerator door and throws it and then grabs this carton of milk and during the process of trying to handcuff him the stanley monster handcuffs ryan reynolds to him Uh uh-huh and then the stanley monster rips off his own arm to get free of this yeah take that 127 hours (laughs) right swallows (laughs) the the contents of the milk carton and then jumps out the window when does he puke it's on the back end of all this okay and so he lands hard on the ground and you think he's dead but then he gets up and runs off it's a real looney tunes moment and ryan reynolds is looking out the window down at the street and he's like huh i never would have seen that one coming and then he turns around and jeff bridges is just running relax for muscles and he <laughs> rides him down like slim pickings in uh-huh. dr strange love to the ground absolutely and they hit this Ghetto guy. Jeff Bridges hops up, holds him at gunpoint, and then Ryan Reynolds beats the guy with his own ripped off arm. Right. And this is when he vomits, and a bunch of these gold pieces vomit out of him. And Ryan Reynolds recognizes it, but doesn't really say anything. Right. Because he's covering up his own horrible crimes. <laughs> he's done so many bad things. So the RIPD officers are they're indestructible i mean they leapt 20 plus stories out of a window and just bounced off the sidewalk and also jeff bridges ends up just shooting this guy Uh so not only do they not adhere to the laws of physics they don't adhere to the laws of their own police department presumably unless the laws of the police department are just you know what if you run into one of these diablo characters just murder them just sprinkle a little bit of this ghost crack cocaine on him It'd be all right. Yeah. Yeah. The old Chappelle did, you know, <laughs> sprinkle the, the cracker out of And you were slow on the uptake, but you did respond well to my steering as I rode you down to the ground. I give you a C plus. Got right, a good crumple zone, soft organs for my landing. <laughs> better than average <laughs> yeah and right real says you know what i'm so sick of you doing all this yammering on i'm sick of all this dead guy shit you know what relax your body and jeff bridge is like huh and then ryan reynolds <laughs> grabs him and throws him in front of a bus that's flying and we get a visual gag of this super hot model slamming into the windshield of a city bus what does that bus driver think he just killed a woman <laughs> right i have just killed a supermodel oh shit but the bus runs over her like kathunk 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 and then the wheel stops on top of her corpse mm-hmm. were real police called to handle the situation that's the question is like when he gets back to the office that night and he's writing this up of like yes a supermodel was splattered across my windshield i heard her go under the wheels but then she just got up and drove off in a car she got up and ran off screaming my hat my hat <laughs> right 
because that's what happens. His cowboy hat blows away off into the wind like Wilson and Castaway. And he's just like, rising, rising. That's my favorite hat. I've had it for over 130 years. They get back to the R.I.P.D. It's chaos, Bo. Yeah, like there's a sudden rush <laughs> of deados, as they call it, as more and more are coming to earth for no good reason mary louise parker posey she comes up and says i need you two back on the streets and then we get more of this back and forth between she and jeff bridges again because they used to have sex and she's now his boss jeff bridges walks over to this vault that is the ripd evidence locker and ryan reynolds says that guy we just killed or sent to hell or whatever happens when you shoot somebody he was working real hard to keep this gold hidden shouldn't we go find out what it is and Jeff Bridges says, no, nah, it's probably just some fundraising item from Bear's Religion. Just a bunch of crap. He just tosses it in a wire basket and it goes into holding. On the way back from holding, Ryan Reynolds kind of keeps prodding where he's like, huh, I thought a big time cowboy detective like you would have an informant or something that might know of some big doings on the streets related to this gold. But I guess that's just not what you're into. Hold on a second there. You think I got an informant? I got an informant. I'll show you informant. Come on, let's Let's go to the next scene of this movie, y'all. They go to a Red Sox game. This movie is really peppered with iconic landmarks in Boston. I, I guess that that's what you're trying to pitch with this movie to some extent, but it's just, yeah. oh my God. It, like Again, right. none of this matters because none of it lasts for more than 30 seconds. Jeff Bridges talk about this guy, Elliot. I got this informant, Elliot. He's best informant in the whole world. And then <laughs> Jeff Bridges picks up a hot dog from the stand and gives one to ryan reynolds who takes a bite and kind of spits it out he's like oh my god this is terrible i can't taste anything he's like eh, that's right can't taste nothing or sleep on account of being dead and all probably got covid <laughs> yeah he's like well <laughs> then what is the point well I just like the mouthfeel and you're like Ugh, i don't need this character using the words mouthfeel at any point about anything uh, for one moment the movie reminds us that jeff bridges and ryan reynolds are this old chinese guy and supermodel but that goes nowhere at the ballpark and then our two cops make their way to the backstage area of the scoreboard and here we meet Elliot the informant he's hanging out and he's this middle-aged balding white guy and Ryan Reynolds walks over pulls out a piece of gold one that he didn't put into evidence because mm. Ryan Reynolds is a dirty cop right <laughs> and starts shaking down Elliot for information and Jeff Bridges sees this and he goes hey Rook, that belongs in evidence and then Ryan Reynolds walks over and politely tells Jeff Bridges to why don't you shut the hell up how about i handle this from now on i mean i know it's your informant at all and this is literally my first day on the job but i think i know what i'm doing he is not likable at all in this movie he's not charming or funny we have no reason to root for ryan reynolds we don't even care about the goal why didn't the movie set up a reason for him solving this case other than i got a hunch we should go find out what's going on with this goal the same gold that i buried in my backyard i'm now seeing on the streets and i'm just vaguely curious about what it is they don't even really establish a reason for his girlfriend wife college hookup to be part of this mystery i mean she gets pulled in a little later i guess to give him some level of 
personal stakes. But hell, clearly they saw Patrick Swayze and Ghost. They just didn't pay too much attention to what makes those kind of stories work. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And like you said, Jeff Bridges has no stakes in this other than he needs to be in this movie. And Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> I, I get just idle curiosity of, I want to know why the gold I stole is showing up on dead people. And that's it. That That is his stake in this so far. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds starts beating up Elliot to get info on the gold because why should we start to like his character now? And Elliot <laughs> looks at the gold and says, eh, this, it's crap. Dettos is sentimental. And then Ryan Reynolds leaves the piece of gold with Elliot. Also, the, this piece of gold is like the size of a hockey puck. It's gigantic. Yeah. So we cut to Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges outside the stadium in their car and Elliot immediately comes running down the stairs to go snitch. And we see that Elliot walks over and Kevin Bacon pulls up in this signature red Dodge Challenger and with like room room and Elliot hands over the chunk of gold and in case you didn't recognize this car or Kevin Bacon from earlier in the movie Jeff Bridget says hey isn't that your ex-partner Kevin Bacon the one who shot you dead in the face but in the chest what color me interested now mm -hmm. so they follow him all the way to Ryan Reynolds house and Jeff Bridges is like well looks like your old partner's now fucking your I don't is she your girlfriend she just a neighbor that stays at your place a lot I've got a little fuzzy on your relationship if you could clear that up for me but anyway it's a total <laughs> humiliation for you Ryan Reynolds uh, just a real kick in the, the scrotum his exact words because the only line that made me laugh in this movie he says total humiliation a pants down spanking in the supermarket <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty good <laughs> Inside, Kevin Bacon is giving Ryan Reynolds' wife some cannolis that he picked up from whatever location. And she's like, you understand I am French, right? I would more be interested in perhaps a, a croissant or a baguette. Un, un café? <laughs> Zut alors. And he asks her, like, uh, I just want to ask you, did Ryan Reynolds seem okay before he died? Did he do anything unusual? Was he perhaps burying things somewhere? Oui, oui. He planted an orange tree just a few days ago in a very tiny backyard. Come with me. I will show you. And so they just watch as he digs up this orange tree and finds some... I think he just picks it up. Yeah, like, it's... Like, it's only a foot in the ground. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds' <laughs> wife is like, please take this away. I cannot bear to look at it. And he's like, yeah, I'm real sorry that your husband turned out to be a dirty cop and all, but how did I know about it? Oh, don't worry about that. So, uh... <laughs> So he takes off, and Jeff Bridges is still giving Ryan real shit. Now, but now about being a dirty cop as well, which is totally justifiable. When were you gonna tell me you the dirty cop, you no good so-and-so son of a bitch? Ryan Reynolds is like, hey, do you think I knew about all this dead shit when I buried that in my backyard? I just wanted to make my life with my girlfriend, fiance, maybe just an acquaintance that we enjoy sex. I don't know, but I wanted to make our lives just a little bit better. Why don't you put your gun away? Or I'm going to break your legs, old man. Which you're like, whoa. Yeah. I got a feeling this isn't the first time Ryan Reynolds made and kept that promise. He ends up just punching Jeff Bridges in the face. And he's like, well, makes you feel better. Go ahead and hit me. And <laughs> so he does. He hits him a couple of times. And then he's like, well, while you're punching me, your old partner's getting away. I like that Jeff Bridges tells him during this scene, why don't you go explain your victimless crime of stealing that gold from the shit rats to your girl? 
girlfriend wife with your Chinaman routine. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Did you ever hear Norm MacDonald's best R.I.P.D. Norm MacDonald, where he had the bit about why Chinaman is considered racist, where he's like, if you're from England, you're an Englishman. If you're from Ireland, you're an Irishman. If you're from China, you're a Chinaman. I don't understand how <laughs> that works. Sure. But Jeff Bridges, when it rolls off his tongue, I don't think it's meant as a term of endearment. Right. It's, again, it's all intent to, to use the, the Carlin line. It is not, if you were saying Chinaman as a celebratory word, then yeah, I'll let that pass. He says it the way that he talks about how they're all addicted to opium when they're building the railroads. <laughs> like it is, It's just a foul thing coming out of his mouth. Uh, so Kevin Bacon, he takes this silver suitcase that he's put his gold in mm -hmm. and he drives down to some building and Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds, they follow him and it's got to be some Boston landmark. I have no idea where they are. And then Ryan Reynolds, he starts sharing his inner monologue to Jeff Bridges and he says, the only thing that mattered to me was Julia, my girlfriend, wife, possibly a prostitute that's just been crashing at my place. I cared what she thought. Now she thinks I'm a piece of shit because she saw that gold that I stole. I think this is his way of saying he didn't want her to find out about all the shady shit that he did during the normal course of a day's work. Right. Let me just rationalize to you all the ways that I've managed to make my crimes fit into my personal ethos. Jeff Bridges, this is another line I like from him where he says, well, what you need to do is quit yammering on about all this and just you need to sit on all this regret until it turns into a dull, persistent ache like I have. <laughs> it's what a grown up does. And there's a dude sees jeff bridges avatar as they they go to this office building or something mm -hmm. and the movie starts playing marvin Gaye's let's get it on for comedic effect yeah and this guy walks up to the super hot version of jeff bridges and hansen mccartney and says i make music videos if you're ever interested and jeff bridges goes what i'm not a piece of meat and throws the card back in the guy's face uh-huh i'm a woman who determines yeah. my own destiny makes my own decisions how about you get the hell out of here truly there should have been a scene in this movie where Jeff Bridges says like let me handle this and then we see the supermodel go over and kind of show a little leg and bat her eyes and kind of give a PG-13 lap dance but then we see it with Jeff Bridges doing yeah and it's funny because of the juxtaposition which is something that was done very well in those two most recent Jumanji movies yes where you have physical representations of characters that are the polar opposite of who and what they really are and it's it's entertaining and, and fun. They do none of that here. Right. Yeah. And that is one of the biggest problems of this movie is it never stops to just have fun with its premise. It's no. just, like it hurdles headlong to the end of this movie. Like where we are in the film is what solidly halfway through this well over we're about to get the backside of this and it's gonna go really fast yeah in this building a dog starts barking at this guy walking by also this building has like 200 extras this scene had to have cost a ton just to feed these people and if you ever wondered what buzz from home alone looked like when he was all grown up here we get to see him as he's playing this undercover elvis presley impersonator and he's tipping the scales easily at 350 oh for sure yeah 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 I'm being kind with that. He's big. So a uh, bus from Homeland walks over to Kevin Bacon, who's sitting on this bench, and he takes the silver suitcase, and then Jeff Bridges narrates, well, that's gotta be your fence to sell off the gold, yeehaw. And uh, 
why does this movie constantly narrate what is going on? There's no confidence in the storytelling by the yeah. script or the director. So I, I was listening to somebody talk about Jurassic Park and how in the paddock scene with the T-Rex, as that begins... It's just the car stopped and then you start to see the first splatterings of rain on the windshield and how that is like this supremely confident director being like, I don't have to tell you the storm is, has arrived because I set up there was a storm coming earlier. And now yeah. that you see this rain beginning, you know that that's the part of the movie that's starting. And also this sort of presages all of the horrifying events of the movie that are about to start happening and that kind of thing. And it's like all of that is just brilliant filmmaking. And this is the exact opposite of all of that where it does the old cinematic trick of tell don't show it's like an episode of scooby-doo the whole movie is the last three minutes of scooby-doo where somebody is explaining well here's how he did it you know so ryan reynolds and jeff bridges they follow buzz from home alone and they put a gun to his head and pull him into an industrial sized kitchen we immediately head back to the freezer where there are whole sides of beef hanging around waiting for a rocky sequel to break out and then ryan reynolds grabs an industrial sized canister of cumin why would this be in the meat freezer just because the movie needed it to be there uh -huh. he dashes a little bit in his hand and he threatens to make buzz from home alone pop but then buzz from home alone says i'm sick of hiding and then then he, he just leans in and snorts this cumin and says, thank you. Thank you very much. And then he hulks out into the fat, pasty white bastard we saw at the beginning of the movie. Right. We have now come full circle and met the beginning of the movie finally. Right. So he takes off running. We see all of that happening. When he jumps onto the building sideways, Jeff Bridges pulls out a grappling hook like it's Assassin's Creed and fires it into the ass of this thing. Apparently that's an attachment he has. Where does he get these wonderful toys? As Buzz from Home Alone runs along the outside of this building like he's Spider-Man, the movie shows us, the audience, that the people of the real world see this blonde supermodel being smashed into glass windows while holding onto the end of a cable attached to this fat monster man's ass. Tugged along while Ryan Reynolds gets flattened by the car that we see at the beginning of the movie. And also when Ryan Reynolds gets up we see that the rest of the world sees the gun in his hand as a banana which has never been mentioned before i'm sure it's played for a laugh here but it's like oh does is it always a banana is that just what people see uh, i don't understand any of the rules when of he of shoots his gun what comes out of the banana like banana squirts i've had the banana squirts a time or two <laughs> we got to buzz from home alone now defying gravity in whole new ways as his blubbering body just bounces up and down perpendicular to the building so gravity is now going sideways for him and he smashes through the window into this office building and then everyone in there can see this disgusting monster and then he comes running through he's like coming through and just destroying everything and then jeff bridges who again looks like a supermodel that actually kind of stops for a moment and she's laying on the floor of this office building with broken glass all around her and the movie starts playing let's get it on again because these two male dummy office workers walk over because they want to have sex with jeff bridges avatar and we also get to see that jeff bridges gun looks like a hair dryer in the hands of his supermodel avatar because what else would a blonde woman be carrying oh i totally missed that i hated this moment so much not not just the jeff bridges laying on the floor bit but buzz jumping sideways 
into the building. Again, I'm just like, I don't understand any of the rules of this. No. Do they have their own gravity that they use? Is it just they can do anything? So all bets are off. And, and the least interesting thing in a movie is when there are no rules. You need some kind of framework for these creatures so that you understand what they're capable of, what, what the danger of them is. It just doesn't make any sense, Chad. I agree. Ugh. So Buzz from Home Alone, he climbs into an elevator shaft and he leaps down. But in the elevator below is Ryan Reynolds who fires his banana gun at some of the elevator cables. So this sends the elevator up as Buzz from Home Alone is coming down. The elevator smashes into Buzz from Home Alone. They all zoom straight up. But then Jeff Bridges leaps into the elevator shaft. He likes to jump out like windows and grab onto people. And he mm. yeehaws it. And the elevator just crashes through the rooftop up in the air and then comes back down and smashes on top of the roof. Buzz from Home Alone escape screaming thank you thank you very much and then ryan reynolds and jeff bridges are left with the silver suitcase full of the gold pieces they go back to the ripd where mary louise parker posey is giving them shit about like you have just let this clearly dead creature run loose on the streets of new york and unlike you guys the people of the world see this deado as what he is mm -hmm. and so there are news reports about this monster running rampant through the streets of boston i like that she says to them congratulations guys on your unprecedented cock up <laughs> i really enjoy a good you cocked it all up <laughs> yeah comment. sure it's so great it's like if you want to say you fucked up but social situations <laughs> frown upon that language toss it a good cock up i think you're gonna be okay it's a good word nobody's arguing that <laughs> They have to be dealt with now by eternal affairs. Yet another piece of world building and lore that we're throwing into this movie uh, more than halfway through. We get a scene from Willy Wonka where they go into this room with these wildly curved zigzag tubes from this impossibly tall room. And we hear this clink clonk, clink clink clonk. And then this bucket clonk comes down and it's full of dot matrix printer paper that rolls out like 20, 30 feet long. And Mary Louise Parker Posey, she reads it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, they're pissed but you stumbled across something important and jeff bridges says don't act so surprised honey part and she responds the gold you brought in are artifacts and they are incredibly dangerous and they are part of the staff of jericho and then mary louise parker posey and jeff bridges they look real wide-eyed with concern and ryan reynolds chimes in well would someone like to explain to me and the audience what is going on here so she explains well this staff reverses the vortex that sucks souls to heaven or judgment or whatever so that when you reverse that polarity everyone who's dead is now just shot back to earth and this would destroy the world and jeff bridges rightly is like why would anyone even make something like this what a bunch of bullshit <laughs> it gives this monologue about what i'm trying to clean up the streets what's the point of doing any of that if we got all these crazy artifacts that could just blow everything up anytime yeah before she can answer that there's a second clank and another bucket drops down from the tube and mary louise parker parsey she opens it up and reads off this single page of dot matrix printer paper and she says, hmm, it looks like you two don't need to concern yourselves finding the gold. You're both suspended. There'll be a hearing tomorrow, after which you'll most likely be erased. And Ryan Reynolds says, erased? And then she just raises her eyebrows and that's it. No one explains what erased means. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll provide my own definition of what's going to happen to him. Ryan Reynolds just assumes that this means that erasure 
is going to involve being killed for realsies. What? But he's already dead. I think All it's... Right. I don't All know. Right. Anyway, so, I know. I know. so he says, I'm going to go back to Earth to watch my, uh, you know, barista that I invited over for a date <laughs> run around this track at night. And so he does, and he steps onto the track as James Wong, and he touches her chin like he did at the beginning of the movie, and she's like, you are a crazy person, and runs away. Uh, look, clearly, I'm not a woman. Uh-huh. But if you are a single woman at night running on a track, it looks like at a university or a school. Uh-huh. And some dude comes up. That had to be horrifying for her. I mean, she's getting over the death of her husband, teacher, whatever Ryan Reynolds was. But like this guy came up and he when he touches her face, he says, I haven't left you. It's me. She's gonna be assaulted. Yeah. Physically or sexually. Something's gonna happen here. Good thing she's a runner because she gets the hell out of there as quick as possible. The proper response is, ah, ah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Blow the whistle you should have around your neck and spray him in the face with mace. Jeff Bridges appears and is like, hey, you're freaking her out. You know what you're doing? It's called a haunting. When a dead person just hangs out around a live person, it's a haunting. They do shows on the Discovery Channel all about this. He's been dead for what? Five days? A week tops? Tops. And Jeff Bridges is like, look, you just need to let her survive you. She needs to get on with her life. And as they're arguing, Jeff Bridges says, you think I don't have unresolved things? I mean, the Old West was shit. I had a lot of anger to get over. You've dredged up a lot of pain in me. Look, let me tell you, one of those coyotes made love to my skull. You know what they call that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know what they call that. And by the way, I hope that coyote did it in both of your eyes He's, well that's just hurtful ryan riddles is so unlikable you know what? i'll bet he and geely would get along really well <laughs> right those two guys <laughs> both criminals <laughs> i have all kinds of unresolved relationship issues yeah <laughs> We cut to Jeff Bridges sitting on a dock next to whatever river is in Boston, and he's playing this concertina, which is a small, like, handheld accordion, mm -hmm. and he's singing this Old West lullaby called Better Man, and one, I feel pretty certain that this concertina actually belonged to Jeff Bridges, and two, I think that he composed and wrote the lyrics for this song. <laughs> <laughs> for this movie absolutely <laughs> absolutely there is no question in my mind that that's what happened <laughs> Just let the cameras roll, boy. I got a little something special I put together for you. I worked this out when I was in my trailer for True Grit. <laughs> hey, let me keep it. Can you believe? Well, I mean, I took it. Nobody said nothing. So six of one half a dozen of the other. And Ryan Reynolds is like, look, if they're about to erase us, whatever that means, we should be back on the streets. I bet that Kevin Bacon still has some of those artifacts. Jeff Bridges is like, well, was he dead? Is he one of them deados? And he's like, you know, I never detected any soul stink on him, but... But, huh. And he's like, well, I, let me add something that we've never mentioned in the movie before. But here's the thing. Do you have some kind of artifact? I've heard tell that if you've got a, what's called a MacGuffin. It's like spiritual deodorant. Well, he always wears this stupid St. Christopher's medallion on, on his wrist. And the movie did zoom in on that at the beginning. Could that be the thing? Quick, to the RIPD mobile. Yeah, and so off they go to 
Kevin Bacon, who, by the way, is meeting this dude at a restaurant and he's sliding like this device across the table to him that looks like a little silver half a Death Star. It's like the size of a small turtle shell. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon says the RIPD won't know what hit him. Deto's been trying to pull off what we're doing for 3,000 years and we're going to make it all happen. You're like, oh, so he's the bad guy and has an evil plan. Got it. Not one of those Jagoffs could get all this gold together. <laughs> Jagoff. <laughs> also, good like a cock up. That Jagoff. That, could you use those both in a sentence, please? That Jagoff really cocked things up. Extra credit, sir. Well done. So Kevin Bacon gets a call from Ryan Reynolds' wife slash squad. So they're bringing back all these souls with the staff of Jericho. Why? Because the RIPD won't know what hit him no 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 the whole reason they're doing it is because kevin bacon doesn't want to be dead and go to hell that is the whole point seems a little selfish but okay it's totally selfish but you know <laughs> she says this weird chinese guy is i think he is my dead boyfriend or i i don't know i we were kind of in the middle of defining we didn't want to put labels on things but he is trying to talk to me yeah 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 listen you sound like a crazy person okay let me take you out to lunch and we'll sort all this out okay sweetheart so kevin bacon gets the second half of this silver device as ryan reynolds and jeff bridges show up outside his house uh-huh and they enter as their avatars and you know kevin bacon is is like oh i'll let you in sister he offers or a drink it's like 10 in the morning hey you need a little uh little something to relax you he's an irish cop i get it <laughs> but meanwhile ryan reynolds is sneaking around the back of the house being all stealthy and police like and when he goes to open a cabinet kevin bacon does ryan reynolds steps out so are you looking for this shotgun you were hiding there and kevin bacon's like oh nicky boy i guess you always were a pretty sneaky detective there and jeff bridges comes in and was like hey where's that drink i was promised oh whoa i guess things are really popping off here in this fridge kevin bacon is forced to take off his saint christopher's medallion by ryan reynolds and when he does the whole place starts rotting i guess it's one of those things like when you stake a vampire through the heart and they just immediately decay because they're like four thousand years old it's like the end of poltergeist or monster house or amityville horror yeah and uh. but this crack that appears in the floor and it kind of splits the house in half ryan reynolds tells jeff bridges like hey check his water heater for gold what <laughs> why would he say that because that's where secrets are kept <laughs> okay that's the children's book i'm writing the secret in the water <laughs> heater oh, i thought it was gonna be that's where secrets are kept by bo ranstall <laughs> yeah that's gonna be on my tombstone <laughs> This is where secrets are kept. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges, they get the gold and they put Kevin Bacon in the backseat of the RIPD mobile and they take him to RIPD HQ. And once they're there, Jeff Bridges puts all of the gold into evidence along with the small half of the Death Star that Kevin Bacon had on him. So Kevin Bacon is sitting on this bench along with about six other dedos that have all popped off. So they're varying states of monsterdom. It looks like a watered down version of Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. And in the intake area, the cop sees the half of the Death Star from Kevin Bacon and the intake officer says, hey, we just had one of those brought in. And she tosses that half into a basket with the other half. These two silver half globes 
make one big globe. And then Ryan Reynolds looks up and figures out that something has gone sideways because he read the script of the movie. Well, he overhears Kevin Bacon saying, you know, the good thing about being a Deto is you can't hear a certain frequency so good, unlike the cops of the R.I.P.D. And that's where Ryan Reynolds is like, oh, he's up to something. This globe lets out a blast of blue CGI light and everybody freezes in place except for the Dettos who had also been brought in for processing and they can move about easy peasy. Kevin Bacon is like, go get all of my gold and whatnots. And so they steal back all of these pieces of the staff of St. Jericho or whatever. And while they're moving to do all this in regular time, Jeff Bridges is very slowly pulling a gun to shoot the silver spinning thing that has caused all this problem. And Ryan Reynolds is just watching with his eyes as Kevin Bacon and his crew gather all their shit together, get into the booth and head down. And back to Earth, as they do that, like they're zooming back down to human plane of existence while yeah. Jeff Bridges finally shoots the silver thing, and now everything's back to normal. All our deados go through the nine and three quarters toilet and they pop out of the VCR repair shop. Kevin Bacon calls up Mutated Buzz from Home Alone, and he's on the top of the Commonwealth building. And there's some other deados there, and Buzz from Home Alone instructs his crew to build it, boys! So the Dettos start making this puzzle that is the staff of Jericho out of all the gold pieces. And we start the ending of Ghostbusters. All right. I like to start with the border first and then work my way in. <laughs> and no, no. All the pieces with a flat side first. The RIPD cops show up to shoot all these Dettos. One Detto has a Gatling gun that shoots out ghost bullets. And there's a standoff in the streets between the Dettos and the RIPD. And here, Jeff Bridges, he goes out in the street like a gunslinger. And he says, I'm really this shit and he goes out shoots these two deados kabam with both of his guns and then he shoots a deado in a church steeple and he shoots a guy in the hotel window but he's on the roof and that's fun not really and then the sky starts opening up there's this big portal one of many portals that starts opening up that way they avoided a lawsuit by ghostbusters and Then two random cops show up at Ryan Reynolds' lady friend, wife house, Julia, and they're like, uh, yeah, Kevin Bacon sent us to check on you or maybe take you to that lunch he promised. Just come with us. So she does. Kevin Bacon zooms by to tell his Deto crew, hey, don't let anybody get to the Commonwealth building. You stop anybody, human or not. And while he's on his way to the end of the movie, Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds are trying to catch up, but they are beset by Dettos in cars. They also bond during this scene for some reason. Do they? Well, they're like about being partners or something. Yeah, I guess. It doesn't matter. These Dettos drive up beside them in hot pursuit and Jeff Bridges gives one of them the finger. That's pretty good. Then a CGI parking garage starts to crumble and toss cars onto the streets and our heroes escape as Jeff Bridges says, that actually scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of noise in this scene. None of it's suspenseful or thrilling. It's like watching very drab fireworks it's worth pointing out that the cgi is not great in this and there's a lot of it and nothing will spoil a movie faster
rather than an over-reliance on inadequate CGI for me. Because at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, nothing I'm looking at is even remotely real. Right. And, and I don't mean just like, well, of course not. There are no dedos in the real world. But like, why not just do practical effects? Like, that was one of the, the brilliant things about Men in Black is that, yes, there's a lot of CGI in that. But there's also a lot of just good old-fashioned practical makeup effects. And yeah. as movies like that and Jurassic Park show, if you blend those two things together, it kind of makes it all work a little bit more. And this movie just doesn't, has not learned anything from that lesson. As much as it rips off from other better movies, that's a lesson it doesn't learn. But Kevin Bacon announces while he's waiting for the final piece on the street. Those two cops show up with Julia and hand her over to Kevin Bacon. Right. And she's like, what is going on here, Kevin Bacon? Hey, Julia, I I need to show you something. It's not my famously large penis. So keep an open mind, all right? So he pulls out some cumin and sniffs it, and then he becomes the Deto that he is which is basically just kevin bacon with some sores and a cleft in his skull he looks like the frankenstein version of kevin bacon yeah he's franken bacon oh boy i could go for some franken bacon right now (laughs) why does he have julia why did he go get her okay so there is a throwaway line where he says that you need the blood of your enemy is one of the things you need to make all of this staff of jericho thing work and but that's a real question mark because like is julia his enemy then right because he tells her (laughs) oh killed your boyfriend Uh, you know your polyamorous fuck buddy what if she was pregnant that would have been cool now we got something because there there is no enemy (laughs) like a baby we get to a news helicopter where the reporter says hey ani pie up in the sky we're up above the commonwealth building and it's covered in i can only call it monsters everybody stay inside then a monster or one of these dedos picks up a dump truck hurls it through the air and it crashes into the helicopter presumably killing everyone inside the body count on this movie is super high even though that's never acknowledged and then our heroes finally show up they jump the barricade in their car buzz from home alone jumps on the hood of their car at one point and we get a useless car crash and then they shoot him in the head yeah and so he's gone for being presumably kind of a mini boss of this movie to use the video game parlance he just doesn't matter much in this film Mm -hmm. so when we make a big deal out of shooting him it's like eh, okay i guess i mean he aside from being the guy that got away that's really the purpose he served for this film he's not a real threat no other than being surprisingly fat and agile like the ghost of chris farley <laughs> ryan reynolds and jeff bridges rush into the commonwealth building and jeff bridges says i sure hope they have an elevator in this place <laughs> and then there's this zoom shot that goes up the winding staircase where we hear jeff bridges say oh shit yeah. and <laughs> it's a total ripoff of ghostbusters yeah Stop it! to the long shot down the stairwell yeah it's yes. crazy. Yeah, so Kevin Bacon up on the roof, they've assembled the staff of Jericho, and he tells the fiance of Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Whatever. Like, Look, I'm sorry about this, but it turns out a lot of these things require some blood sacrifice, so I've got to kill you. And Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges show up just in time for Kevin Bacon to stab her with a big pole, and then there is a big...
big shootout on the roof with a bunch of slow motion and we get to see the reversal of the soul tube where everybody who ever died starts coming back and is that everybody from heaven and hell like everybody uh, hitler and robin williams and jean benet ramsey like are they all coming back the good news shed is this is explained as much as everything else in this movie which is to say not at all so it's whatever <laughs> like all good art it's whatever you want it to be <laughs> So we get this gunfight. Yeah. And Ryan Reynolds is like, I'm going to go after my wife. You take down the staff. And Jeff Bridges is like, all right, I'll take care of that. And we see that her blood is starting to kind of swirl into the vortex. Something. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And (laughs) Jeff Bridges is trying to take this apart, but he's like, this thing's really put together well. It's hard to get apart. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Bacon are duking it out on the roof. Kevin Bacon just picks up a slab of broken concrete and just starts smashing Ryan Reynolds in the head over and over and over again. But nothing can kill him except for one of those ghost bullets. Jeff Bridges just grabs a piece of nearby cable and fashions it into a lasso. And he throws it in the air and grabs that dump truck that killed Arnie Pye and his crew in the helicopter. He yanks it down. The dump truck lands on top of the staff of Jericho, which just ends our movie's threat. It's over. Yeah. It's like almost as soon as it started, we're done. It is incredibly anticlimactic because you're like, oh, okay, well, we didn't get a moment to see what the effects of this would be. Like we're told that it would rot the earth and so forth. But this is sort of the the Ghostbusters thing, right? Of like, oh, we've seen ghosts let loose on the earth because of the shutdown of the containment unit. So we know what that looks like, but we don't ever get that piece of of it in this movie they ran out of money on yeah, their CGI right. budget. <laughs> or it was filmed and they, it just got cut out or something i mean who knows but yeah the vortex goes the right way again everything's done ryan reynolds shoots kevin bacon runs to his wife and then he sees that the world is frozen around them and i guess that's the point where he's like oh shit she died uh uh-huh and they have a moment where he's like i'm so sorry that my completely corrupt policing (laughs) has caused your death and almost the end of the world right oh and by the way you can't stay here and be with me because you need to go you know to the good place and i'm not talking about that surprisingly good sitcom that ted danson was in (laughs) and then she wakes up in a hospital room because not even that happens no and she wakes up and there's a male doctor looking over her then the camera cuts to a shot outside of the hospital room and that male doctor wasn't a doctor that was mary louise parker posey's avatar Mm -hmm. i was like why would they interject her avatar now for such a short period of time and would it be possible to see mary louise parker posey's avatar have sex with jeff bridge's avatar oh now we're talking i know oh it's a good looking couple i'm starting to get into this movie again let's get it on but she tells ryan reynolds oh she's gonna be fine and by the way i've talked to the people upstairs you've been let off with a warning because you're so new and jeff bridges has been given 53 more years of service which this is another good jeff bridges line where he goes that's honky tonk bullshit (laughs) i think that that was completely improvised as well absolutely honky tonk bullshit feels like a very jeff bridges thing to say and that's what makes it kind of wonderful she says look i've done a little something for you in addition to extending your time here sure enough she has gotten him his hat back you know what i could have bought you some flowers every now and again back when we was knocking boots and she says i like violets and she leans in as though to give him a kiss but instead she bites his beard and kind of gives it a yank with her teeth Mm -hmm. and jeff bridges says as she walks away she belly goaded me something we used to do yeah i like the fact that they have a creative sex life you know (laughs) 
It's not just <laughs> socks on, lights off. They're they're into some fun shit. So Mary Louise Parker Posey, she leaves the movie, mm-hmm. right? And Jeff Bridges says, listen up here. I pulled some strings and I got you a new ID. I knew you didn't like Mr. Chin too much. That's so great. I... I don't know how to thank you. Let me see that ID. And he opens it up and he's like, what? This is the best you could do? Uh, All right. Well, I'm driving. And so they get in the car and we get the human version of their avatars where we see these supermodels slipping into the passenger seat and into the driver's seat is this preteen girl in a Girl Scout outfit with dental headgear. Uh, We kind of get that. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. And roll credits and that's our movie yeah and that's it end of movie that is r.i.p.d in all its glory a movie that did everything it could to cock it up congratulations fellas (laughs) hell of a job it's incredibly frustrating because there are glimpses of like oh i can see where this may be not a great movie but certainly a totally fine entertaining romp of a movie and it just gets all of it so wrong that the movie dares you to finish it and we watched it twice yeah it's not good i agree with you i think if what you described in the introduction of it being more of a hard r leaning more into kind of the creep show horror of really macabre and cartoonish representation of dead people would have been a heck of a lot more fun but they didn't do anything like that i know that we did jonah hex but i think that's a movie that almost dealt with this subject matter better than this movie did that was a little too serious for sure. for what this kind of deserves like this needed to be if you ever saw the movie dead alive uh-huh. If there had been just a whiff of that in this movie, where it's just like almost silly with the kind of gore that it uses, then again, it would just feel like, oh, we're having fun with this. Recast Mary Louise Parker Posey with John Waters. I mean, you're not getting an argument out of me. That already makes your movie a little <laughs> bit better. Just make it a little sloppier, a little gooier of a movie where these dead things are a little more disgusting yeah don't set it in boston put it in some fictitious city of dirt and filth and crime yeah make it kind of a gotham kind of situation yeah and and also just make your characters heroes you say i think the it's a great idea to have jeff bridges playing it like hey i'm just trying to do my time and get out of this and that gives him a little bit of tension to try to play things by the book which is both not his natural instinct and also not what the situation calls for. And you have Ryan Reynolds being the good guy, but who is also willing to take some chances in this effort to find the person who killed him. And it creates some dynamic tension between the two main characters. It gives you a reason for ryan reynolds to care about any of this and yeah it like there are ways to do this that are really simple tweaks and none of it happens and instead you just get a movie that like jeff bridges for all his mealy mouth honky tonk bullshit in this movie is mm-hmm. at least trying to have a good time with this but ryan reynolds is just giving nothing back well jeff bridges might have just been phoning it in but because he was slowly morphing into a real life old-timey cowboy who could tell the difference maybe that's true but I, jeff bridges even at his least interesting is still way more interesting than almost anyone else in this movie you know bo i was thinking about our season finale uh-huh that's always exciting I, it is and i 
I thought, could I find a movie that was a colossal bomb uh-huh. of a film that somehow has less chemistry between the two leads? And Bo, I think I found one. Oh, Wow. Yes. I'm talking about the on-screen marriage of acting that is non-existent between Johnny Depp and Army Hammer. In the 2013 also Disney-produced motion picture, The Lone Ranger, as directed by Gore Verbinski, who helmed a lot of those Pirates of the Caribbean movies and Rango and this, lots of other big stuff. Yeah. This is a movie that I'm very interested to talk to you about because it is notoriously a failure for both critics and audiences alike, but I argue that I don't know that is a fair assessment of this movie beginning to end. I think that this movie, much like Geely, mm-hmm. was a victim of the circumstances in which it was released. I, on the other hand, have seen this movie before and think that it's overlong, boring, and difficult to watch. (laughs) I don't know that I can argue against those particular points, but I am interested for us to go and uh, dive into this one and really explore it in the way that only you and I can. So come back in two weeks' time as we will be wrapping up this season's theme, Bombs Away, with the Wild West adventures of the Lone Ranger and Tonto, oh boy, uh, as well as, hey, William, uh, what's his name? The actor, William Fincher? Fickner. Fickner, William Fickner, sorry. Billy Fick, yeah. we call him. We'll be showing up in our movie. Um, Who else is in there? Helena Bottom Carter is in there, and I don't know, some other people are in there, but we will have a, an overly long, boring, difficult to watch time discussing this movie as the finale for this season's theme. Bo, any final thoughts that you have on R.I.P.D.? Lone Ranger? That's some honky-tonk bullshit. <laughs> we'll see you in two weeks' time, everybody. Everybody.